welcome to this month's episode of the Women in Foreign Policy podcast. This month, it's just me, Ashley, and we're going to do a couple of things. We are going to finish up our coverage of trying to be a professional during a pandemic and having a career. We're going to talk about the movement for racial justice that seems to maybe possibly finally be making some real progress. And I'm going to give you a bit of a preview for what's coming next and what's up next on our programming calendar here at Women in Foreign Policy. I know that this has been a wild few months. I am sure that there are people out there who have had a much worse time of it than I have. But even in my relatively privileged position, this has been a really difficult period of my life. And I want to say to anyone else who's experiencing that same difficulty, I see you. I acknowledge you. And I definitely understand if all you can do right now is make it through a day. If you are coming back to this in several months because you can't even make it through your podcast listening routine right now, I see you too. I am so behind it's going to take me the rest of the year minimum to catch up. So I want you guys to know that we are here. We are a resource for you. Not just the podcast team, but everyone that works in women in foreign policy, everyone who works on the zigzag or at the blog, everyone who works on the newsletter, everyone who makes sure that we're posting the jobs and the internships that we've identified, we are all here for you. So the first thing I mentioned is that we're going to be talking a little bit more about how to continue building your career during this pandemic. This is not going to go away, right? We're still going to be grappling with the effects this has had on our society for a very long time. However, we have gotten to a point where we seem to have reached kind of an equilibrium that I, I don't want to say by any stretch of the imagination that this is sort of the end of the pandemic. But I think as society, we have reached sort of an adjustment period and have managed to find a place where the ground beneath our feet doesn't quite feel like it's moving all the time. We feel a little bit more balanced or um, a little bit more capable of facing um, daily life than we may have done back in March. So we wanted to take one more episode to give you guys some advice around jobs and internships and that kind of thing before we move on to something closer to our regularly scheduled programming. So thinking about how and when to be looking for an internship right now, I think a lot of places, especially now that we've begun to see how this pandemic is going to unfold, are having online versions of their usual internship roster. If you had your eye on a particular organization or a particular internship, I would really encourage you to just go back and double check that they're not having some online version because they very well may be and and definitely don't give up on that. If that doesn't happen, if there is no online version, if the thing you wanted to be doing is pretty much impossible to do online, that's also okay. We're going to talk about the other options you have in just a bit, and in the coming months, I know for a fact that we'll be interviewing at least one organization who is having an online version of their program, even though it's usually reliant on being physically in person and present. From there, once you have that remote internship, which is basically the only option anyone has right now, um, and that goes for, for careers, like actual jobs as well, you may be wondering how to make the most of that. So I'd say number one, internships are a networking opportunity. First and foremost, they're a great way to get used to being in an office and figure out what their experience is like and what the atmosphere is like and and what professionalism means. But that is pretty much not possible right now. So I would say that your main priority should be getting the networking benefit of this internship. 
It's a little bit more difficult to get that networking in when you're potentially thousands of miles away or at least not physically in the same space as the people you want to be networking with, but it can still be done. And once you're an intern at a given organization, you have much better chances of getting someone to sit down with you, whether that's on Zoom, Skype, FaceTime, whatever your platform of choice, being able to say, hi, I'm an intern with the organization you work for, or I'm an intern with this particular organization, and I'd love to talk to you. That means something. And I think that as long as you're still intentional about it and respectful of people's time, and we've talked about this a lot previously with mentorships, as long as you can be respectful of people's time and ask them in a way that acknowledges that they're doing you a favor, I think you'll find people are more than willing to take some time out of their day and chat with you a little bit about their job, about what they see as the future of the industry, that kind of thing. One note here, though, um, is that you may find that people are still really busy right now because we're all just trying to live through a pandemic. If you find that people are maybe less generous with their time, I would encourage you to just be compassionate because I am, frankly, also less generous with my time right now. Um, We are all doing what it takes to survive. And I think a lot of other people, especially people who may have family or children or something like that, they're going to be having an even worse time of it. And a lot of us sort of single, mostly unattached people may have um, some stress, but I think there's sort of exponentially multiplying kinds of stress happening for people who don't have childcare right now, for instance. Please just be generous, be compassionate for those people, um, and understand that if, if someone says no, even if you asked like politely in all the right ways, it might not be about you. The other piece of advice I have here is to be proactive. Um, there is a chance when you're an when you're interning remotely, um, for that old adage, you know, out of sight, out of mind, to begin to apply, someone may forget to assign you work or forget to involve you in things. Your best defense against that is just to be proactive. Reach out. Talk about your goals for the internship right at the beginning. Make sure that you have an understanding of how you should expect the work to come to you. Make sure that you understand the organization at large so that you know what roles the people around you play. I can't emphasize enough how important being proactive is going to be here. There is the flip side of this, which is that a lot of places are still closed and can't do their internship program. And it's not like you can like jump in, work in the hospitality industry, get a job waitressing, whatever, you know, some of the ways you may have previously gone about filling those gaps. We have previously talked about volunteering as an alternative here, but of course that's not possible for everyone. There's certainly an element of privilege involved when you're someone who chooses to volunteer and can forego being paid versus people who can't afford not to have a paid internship. One of the things that you might consider doing here is getting um, a certificate of some sort, doing an online course of some sort, you know, five weeks, six weeks, whatever that may be. They do usually have a cost associated, but there are some that you can do for free. Um, That's great if you want to improve your skill set in a certain area or just kind of be able to prove that you have knowledge in a certain area. Um, One of the other pieces of advice I would give is consider looking for part-time work that's not associated specifically with an internship. But one of the things that might be happening as um, layoffs and cost-cutting measures are put in place is that previously full-time roles may be simply being listed as part-time roles. Um, And if you want an internship, it may be that the better way to go about that is just to get hired on in a part-time role that may very well be temporary. So don't be bogged down by the term internship or intern. Don't limit yourself to that. The other piece of advice I have here is along those same lines. 
I would say try one of the gig economy websites like the Fivers or those kinds of things um, where you can do freelance small projects for people like editing, proofreading, graphic design, those kind of small projects on an independent rolling basis. That's going to allow you to build up a portfolio, keep your skills sharp, and hopefully bring in a little extra money. Now, I personally have a lot of feelings about the gig economy. Um, a lot of them are negative, um, but that's kind of more tied up into sort of larger systems of, of capitalism. I do think, though, that if you're faced with either doing nothing or doing some gig economy work, probably that kind of thing is better than nothing. Um, I was also talking to Lucy, our founder, about this, and one of the things she pointed out that I think is really important is to think about the skills that you wanted to gain in the internship you were looking for, kind of distill those down into a list of a couple of, of key skills and figure out where there are free online courses or some other way to gain those skills or prove you have those skills. Then, even if you can't get that name on your CV like you probably were hoping you could, at least you can get those skills on your CV that you were hoping that internship would give you. Okay, so that was a lot of information. I am personally happy to talk this through with anyone who would like to talk about it. I know we are doing a lot of talking about this organizationally on the blog, ZigZag, um, in our newsletters, all of that. So there are plenty of people here who will talk to you about this if you would like. But now I want to talk a little bit about the ongoing protests for racial justice. I'm choosing my words carefully here because I think that justice is a really important but also complicated term, and I think that justice best encapsulates the, the goal here, actually. Here in the States, um, that movement has taken the form of the Black Lives Matter movement, but I know that there have been protests in other parts of the world, specifically focused on how anti-Black racism affects all of us and affects our societies. I specifically want to raise this not only to say that Women in Foreign Policy as an organization definitely supports work for racial equality and racial justice, and especially for examining anti-Black racism and eliminating it from our organizations, but I also wanted to raise this because I think it's important for us to think about it as individuals involved in the international affairs world. I think that we need to be interrogating what it means for us as professionals in that sphere to reckon with the history this particular profession has with anti-blackness, anti-indigeneity, and colonialism. When you think about departments of state or um, departments of foreign affairs, those kinds of things, um, these are often either the direct descendants or the actual departments that did untold harm during periods of colonialism and that sometimes are re-entrenching imperialism and colonialism and sometimes still have not made reparations for that harm or even stopped their colonial and imperialist activities. Um, and that's not even to begin to speak about the kinds of anti-Black and anti-Indigenous ideas that these organizations either introduced or re-entrenched into various societies um, and are still sort of holding on to to this day. And in the modern era, we have, you know, the international um, development and international aid organizations, um, and those can also very quickly slide downhill into an imperialist or a colonialist project if we're not really carefully interrogating um, our motivations and the way that we're going about doing that work. I think that those of us who work in those fields and in those organizations need to be really careful and listen quite intently to the conversations happening here so that we don't re-entrench those racist ideas further and so that we can behave in an anti-racist way within our profession and make sure that moving forward we are um, 
we are better situated than, than we previously were and that we can begin eliminating those racist and anti-Black ideas. This is something that I'm more than happy to have an ongoing conversation about. I would love to hear from people. If this is something you've been thinking about, um, I want to know that. I want to know how you've been thinking about it. If you yourself have been advocating within an organization for explicitly anti-racist policies, I'd love to hear about that and how you're doing it. I know that one major way that that is manifested here in the U.S. is people advocating within their organizations for Juneteenth to become a company holiday. Juneteenth is a celebration of the day that enslaved people held in Texas learned that they had been freed. It took about two years for information of the Emancipation Proclamation to make it to these individuals. So it's actually not until 1865 that those enslaved people received the information that they had in fact been emancipated. In the U.S., it's been kind of a cultural holiday for a long time, but not one that has been observed at any kind of state or federal level with any uniformity. So this year, one of the ways that um, anti-racist work has manifested is advocacy around acknowledging that as a national holiday or at least a company-wide holiday to acknowledge how historic that moment was and also to acknowledge how far we have left to go when it comes to racial justice in this country. I know that race relations and and perceptions of race, how people are racialized in various countries can be incredibly complex things, and no two countries are going to look exactly the same. So I would encourage you not only to follow the movement in the U.S., but also to investigate what's going on in your own country, figure out what you can do to help listen to the voices of Black people and people in color in your own community, uplift those voices, and make sure that you're following their lead. That was another heavy one, guys. From there, I just want to give you a little bit of a taste of where we're going to go with our next couple of episodes. So we're ramping ourselves back up, adjusting a little bit to that new normal, of course. Um, (laughs) None of this is normal. It's still super traumatizing and difficult to live through every day. But we will hopefully be starting back up with our interviews next month. We're going to have hopefully a little bit more normalcy from here on out, even if it is a new and strange version of normal that none of us could have anticipated. But that is going to be what you can expect. We'll be doing some interviews with Israeli and Palestinian young adults who are working with the organization New Story Leadership for the Middle East. I'm very excited to have that conversation, especially given the increased attention right now around the annexation of the West Bank. I think it's vitally important to talk to these young people who are the future of peacemaking in that region, and I'm really excited to host those conversations next month. Then from there, we will have a couple of more episodes, and we'll be taking the month of September off for the high holidays. Uh, A lot of our production team is Jewish, so that's a really important time of year for us, and we want to make sure to honor that. From there, we should be back to a pretty normal schedule. We have not quite planned content beyond September, but we will be keeping you guys up to date as we have new information. I really appreciate you all joining us this month, whether you're joining in June or in July or in six months. Thank you for being here, for communicating with us. We really appreciate having such a responsive and interesting group of listeners. And, you know, we really value anything that's shared with us. So tweet at us, email us, leave messages on Instagram. Those are so important. And the social media team makes sure that all of that gets to us. I hope this episode was useful or cathartic if that's what you needed or at least something to listen to in the background to escape for a little while. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on whatever app you use. That helps other people find us. It raises us up in the rankings. It is one of the most helpful things you can do for our podcast. 
While you're at it, please subscribe to the Women in Foreign Policy newsletter available on our website. That website is womeninforeignpolicy.org. You can also follow the organization's Twitter at Women in FP. And if the work we're doing means a lot to you, please consider supporting us financially via PayPal at Lucy Goulet, that's G-O-U-L-E-T, or on Patreon at Women in Foreign Policy. We are an all-volunteer team, so that means your support goes even further. We love the work we do. We absolutely couldn't do it without listeners like you. Thank you all so much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.